Maybe they have some sense of safety or some sense of, of freedom or money that's coming in and they don't really take risk. They don't really go for it. And they end up not living the life that they really want to. And it, it eats away at them. And I didn't want to be that person. And so when I lost everything, I looked back and I realized I was trapped by my success and got complacent. And so I wrote the book, The Trap of Success, to help people through these things. I love the book. And I say this with a smile. It's great for when I was a younger executive coach. But as I work with companies that are doing 10 million, 20 million, some of my clients were 100 million, 200 million. It's probably not the best book for them because they're not trapped by their success. They're moving forward. They're driven in a way that I wasn't. This was for people that are been stuck in their world and they need to transform it. That's what that first book was about. Hopefully that's clear for you. And I can certainly tell you about my second book that we're writing. Yes, I got the idea behind the first book and uh, would love to get the insights as we move forward. But please more tell us about the second book now. So the second book is very different. It, writing the book and writing the right book is hard. You've got to make sure that, that people want this book. You don't just write it because you think it needs to be written. In fact, I've been working with this content for more than 10 years before I decided to say, okay, I'm going to write a book about it. In fact, it wasn't the first book I was going to write or the second book or the third book or the fifth book. It literally was through process of exploring my thoughts and what my clients need, what conversations we're having, where are their problems and what really needs to be written that supports me in my coaching business. And probably a good rule of thumb is 50% of my coaching conversations come down to one big issue. There's a missing conversation that someone isn't having. When I work with CEOs, it might be with their co-founder. It might be with their executive team. It might be with someone else on the team, but they avoid these tough conversations and it's getting in the way of the business. It's getting in the way of growth. It's getting in the way of, of sanity and stress, or it's adding to stress, if you will. But I am partnered with my wife. She's been in the business for a long time and she's my co-writer on this. And so we're writing the book, the working title. It's how to have tough conversations. I know it's not very sexy, but it really is. We're looking to create a very tactical guide. A lot of the coaching that we do is very mindset related and it's very specific to the internal thinking and transformation of leadership and of company growth. But we wanted to create a very tactical guide that people could use it as a playbook and, and just go down the, the chapters and just really dive into being a master of these tough conversations, stop avoiding them. And certainly can unpack any part of this because we've already written the first draft. We've already written kind of the second version of this. And we're now in the editing phase, which to me is the hardest phase of, of writing is making sure that your, your ideas are clear and that they flow and that you are cutting out all of the unnecessary parts so that you're left with just a really powerful book. So that's the second book that we're hoping to launch out at the end of this year. Got it. Got it. Understood. And if you please summarize some of the points on how to have the tough conversations because we tend to avoid it at times and then we know that it has become an urgency to, to have this conversation now. So what right. is how to have tough conversations, please? The first thing you have to address inside of this is, is maybe just asking yourself, what's the missing conversation that you have to have with someone? I call this the magic question and, and I'm not sure which chapter it is, but it's probably in chapter three or four of the book. But what's the missing conversation that hasn't happened yet? Mm. And here's how I want people to, to use this question. When you feel like you're out of alignment with someone on your team, it could be a partner, like outside your company. It could be a customer. It could be a spouse. It could be 
a child, but what's the missing conversation that you haven't had yet? The missing conversation meaning, okay, well, maybe we've had similar conversations, but we haven't really gotten to the heart of it. Things haven't changed. They haven't gotten better. I still feel uneasy. We're not getting the results. We're, we're, whatever the, the issue is, you want to make sure you, you have a real clear answer to that. It's usually not the first thing you think of. Usually you need to sit with this question for a little bit. When I'm coaching my clients, I'm actually able to probe with them and say, is that really it? Is, is that the conversation? And usually it gets to the heart of it once we sit with it for a little while. Or if your coach is supporting you, they're, they're probing till you get to the real heart of it. Because you want to talk about the core issue, not the surface level. But that's a big issue is that particular thing. The second part behind this, and, and maybe I should pause to let you see if you have any questions about that. But do you have any questions about that magic question? The magic question, I get it completely. I would want to know more about it because this is an emergency issue for most of us listening to these conversations because how to have hard conversation and tough conversation is always a part of entrepreneurship and leadership. So please go on as much as we can dig into it. I am ready. If you can speak for like hours and hours, I'm open to that. I could speak about it for hours, but I will tell you, once mm-hmm. you have a clear understanding of that, you've got to ask yourself, why are you really avoiding this conversation? Mm-hmm. And I ask it that way because I really believe that we avoid them longer than we should. Now, I'm going to get personal for you a second. When I was in my 20s, I had some girls I was dating and I would avoid the conversation because it was hard to have. It was difficult. It was whatever it is, tough. And I would be in that relationship a lot longer than I should be. And and I know I'm not alone. I know everybody who's had some that relationship that didn't work out probably was in it for a while longer than it should have been. In, In work, in a professional alignment, maybe we think that People should just get it for themselves. We don't want to micromanage them. We don't want to cross the line. We really just want them to solve it themselves so we don't engage. And we're avoiding it until it gets to the point. I'm not sure which words you use, but the words I typically use are till it becomes toxic. And it it really becomes something that you can't avoid. It becomes really ugly and much harder than it has to be because you avoided it for so long. And you want to ask yourself, why am I avoiding this question? So that you can see. What is it? Is it because you're afraid to that they won't like you anymore? Is it afraid that you will change the, the, the trust dynamic between people? You want to get clear with yourself of why you're avoiding it because they're not asking for feedback. That's the thing about tough conversations. You're having to be proactive and engage in this conversation when they didn't ask for it. And you have to sit them down and, and be able to do that. But I think it's really important for us to acknowledge why we're avoiding them and Find the courage to move forward anyway. And okay. that's, a, that's the second piece I would love to, for people to really understand that avoidance is natural in this aspect, but we have to have the courage to move forward quicker than letting it sit there and become toxic. Yes, yes. And the more we make, the more toxic it gets because the conversation, that the harder the things get. Because if let's say somebody is not working and not getting the things done on time and you are you are in... You are thinking that it is going to get easier and they are going to understand it by themselves and they do not and things only get worse from there. So, yes, I totally agree with you on that. So don't wait till it gets toxic. Is that the advice? Absolutely. And and I take it from your perspective there. This isn't just a, a U.S. thing. This is actually multicultural that people yes. avoid these conversations and they wait too long and we should engage in them. Is that fair to say? 
Yes, it is. The third piece of advice, just really understanding this tough conversation, is that you've got to have a framework to follow through. A lot of people just think that they can dive into these conversations. And I believe that's a mistake because when you dive into something, when you finally do get the courage and you just you go for it, if you haven't got your emotions in check, your, the way you're feeling about this thing, you can lash out with too much anger or too much frustration. And I'd rather you come from a much more grounded, intentional place than doing that. And so we have a framework inside this. And I'm going to give you guys this resource because we're, we want to make sure that people are using this, whether you buy the book or not. The, the high-level framework for this is, can be found on my website. Go to genehammett.com forward slash tough conversations. If that didn't work, you can actually email me, gene at genehammett.com. Inside that framework, there's 10 parts to it. Now, don't get too crazy. It's not that difficult of a process. Many of the things are telling people to be present in these conversations or to take your time or hold your tongue. Those are a few of the elements that are inside this. So those aren't like, they don't take a long time to understand them. But I will give you the one that I feel like a lot of people don't do well. And it's what happens before the conversation happens, which is make a plan. When you make a plan for a tough conversation, you're answering some questions, you're intentional about how you're going to show up inside this conversation, and you're prepared for it to go smoothly. You're prepared for it to go maybe a little bit less smoothly, and you may be even prepared for it to go off the rails because you've done the work to make a plan. Now, inside our framework, we give you a few questions. We give you a chance to Really ground yourself in this because when you have the conversation, we want to make sure that you have it as well as you can. Because if you don't have it well, as well as I do, you got to come back and have the conversation again. And it's not any prettier. It's not any easier. And actually, it's a little bit harder. And if you don't do that one, guess what? You're going to have it again. And that time, it gets really important for you to do this well. Because if you've done this three times and you have not have a change in behavior, change in attitude, a change in performance, whatever you're looking for in this relationship, then you're going to have to move into the, are we going to continue this relationship? Are we going to exit you as an employee? Or are we going to fire you as a customer? Or are we going to stop doing business together in some way? Yeah. I don't want it to get to that. So we give you the make a plan so that you actually are prepared to address it early in the process and make sure that people will understand each other. And then you're able to get to the heart of it early as opposed to waiting for conversation two, three, four, five, and so on. And that's what, what we're really hoping to bring to this world is the courage, the confidence to have tough conversations for people to feel like they can deliver this. Like it's part of leadership because it is. Of course it is, Gene. And I don't know, like this is resource that you are about to share when people go to the website or when people reach out to my email or when they read the book. This is a game changer, I believe, because these are actual strategies and not some, I'll say, miscellaneous tactics to just go around the bush, but rather get to the conclusion. And that surely is very time efficient. So I am going to ask you because I, I am hosting this podcast and you, I am able to speak with you face to face. And soon as this conversation is ended, please and please again share that resource with me because I would be eagerly waiting for the book. Gene, thank you so much. 
Let's move on to the next question. And this, I know that it is, you can speak on the topic for hours, but for now, let's try to cover other aspects and uh, understanding of the client base that you have. So any client in particular who sticks to your mind right now, so any client in particular who is on the top of the mind, whose transformation or whose uh, success story you would like to share, if it is confidential, no need to take names, but please share some transformations with us. Yeah, I my business has grown over the years. I, like most people, I've been doing this for more than a decade. And mm. when it first started out, a lot of my coaching was with younger entrepreneurs. And mm. I will say this because I was one of them, but they were struggling in their business. They were struggling to, to find product market fit. They were struggling to sell their products. They were struggling to, to get a team, have enough money to actually build a team. As I, business, I started working out with marketing companies almost exclusively. I really believe that when you zero in on the right customer, you understand their language, you understand their problems, you understand the nuance for their business. Because I really believe no one should be in business if they're not able to add real value that's measurable. I'm going to repeat that. I don't think anyone should be in business if they're not able to add real value that's measurable. For example, marketing companies typically don't measure their results, are mm. willing to do this. And they may have some transformations and they may have some case studies that they have. But in general, and this is not just with my experience with hiring marketing agencies, but in general, they don't perform on the promises that they make for a mm. thousand or two thousand bucks a month or five thousand a month. It just doesn't translate into um, no. ICS because I work with a lot of companies and I got them to focus on the right markets and I got them to, to learn how to position themselves and to how to sell themselves, how to build mm -hmm. their teams very efficiently through the years. And about five years into it, I had one client specifically make the ink list. I, I think I had two that year, but one I'm thinking about was a digital agency company that made the Inc. 5000 list, which I said earlier is a compilation of the fastest growing companies out there in North America. And they base it on, they, you have to be privately held. You have to have at least 2 million in revenue and be more than three years old. So yeah. those are the requirements Inc. Magazine put on this group. Yeah. And this company made the list. And I got really curious about what other companies were doing and how they did it. And I just started, I thought this would be my next book, honestly, about growth-oriented companies. And I have outlines and chapters written already about how to grow your company. Mm. And I, over the years since then, my ideal client has grown, right? My ideal client has transformed. They're not struggling. They're not trying to figure out how to sell their stuff. In fact, most of my clients aren't selling anymore. They used to sell, but they are being a CEO. And some people struggle to go from founder to CEO. Some people struggle with that identity shift and how do they use their time, things like that. So I'm working with pretty successful, driven entrepreneurs that are becoming CEOs that are learning to lead teams because it's not natural to lead. These tough conversations aren't natural. But we we focus on working with companies. If I told you our average company right now, it would be misleading because we have a few companies that are in the 200 million range. But most mm -hmm. of our companies are probably between 10 and 20 million in revenue. We have about 50 employees. And and just being frank with you guys, as far as who we work with, entrepreneurs are in that sweet spot. And mm -hmm. they do executive coaching with us, but they also do manager coaching. And that is specifically... Someone else on my team, we've got a system that we help managers become leader. It really is something we're excited about. I know you said that a lot of the audience listening in here was Indian. 
our very first client we went through this had half of their operations team in America and half of it in India. And they were having some communication issues. The, the, the cultural differences in, in how they work and approach things were very different. And we actually used all these frameworks and built them based on that first relationship. And we've been able to update them and, and use them after that with our clients. So very succinctly, our, our clients that we work with right now are typically 10 to 20 million, 50 employees. We're coaching at the executive level. We're also coaching at the manager level. And we're ingrained into the client and they use us for, on average right now, it's probably close to three years that we're having relationships. And many of them are going longer because we don't have many people leaving. So that proves to me that we're doing the right thing. We're adding value, bringing that value. I can go into to some of the, you asked for some transformation details. I'll give you the one client that made the ink list was a 26-year-old who was struggling. He was one of those struggling people. This is like seven years ago or something. And I guess two years ago, he sold the company for 23 million. Wow. So that was a pretty big transfer that he took his business through. I'm very curious to know about some of the strategy to pay such, because you work with so many founders, CEOs, and executives and managers. So what do you think is the common trait between these successful entrepreneurs that you work with? What what do you think they have while the others don't? What do they don't have? The, the successful companies get there by sheer determination. And, and these, these leaders they have a good idea. They're able to execute on that idea. But one of the things they have in common is they have a founder identity versus a CEO identity. And the CEO identity is one in which I'm not doing the work at this point. Mm. I'm developing people to do the work around me. I still struggle with this because I'm so actively involved in delivering coaching with my clients because I love it. I have to wear multiple hats as far as leading the team and developing team. And so I, I have to manage both of those. But traditionally, most CEOs are in the delivery. Some are, some are, but I think that one of the first things that they have to be able to do is identify that they are the bottleneck, that they are the, the limiting factor to growth of the business. And if they're not willing to let go of the way it's been done, it's very hard to create a kind of business where it's growing predictably, where we, it really does have one of the tests is when you go on vacation, does the business continue without you? Does it grow without you? If you're not able to say those two things, then you don't have the kind of business where you truly are the CEO. You're, you're more of a founder-led business and not a CEO. Understood. Wow. So you can give insights for years and years because you have like decades of experience, Gene, on this. With that being said, as we are short on time today, I would want you to please share anyone who is interested in contacting you the way that they should know about to reach out to you. So is it your email? Is it your website? Please share all of them. Sure. A lot of people don't want to email me. If you do, it's gene at genehammett.com. So that's a great way to, to engage with me and just mention that you heard me on this podcast. I'm sure to respond. For most people, they want to see what I'm up to. So obviously, I've got a book out there called The Trap of Success. And my home base right now is genehammett.com. That's my website. So you can check out everything there, the podcast, Growth Think Tank. And I know it, it seems like I got a lot of things, but if you really just want to figure out who I am, what I'm up to, go to genehammett.com read a few things, maybe listen to it in a podcast episode. If I can help you in any way, let me know. And if you are a leader of a team, 
and you want to be an extraordinary leader or you want to create leaders inside your company, we're happy to walk you through and give you ideas, give you the strategies that are working and really explain to you this. And if you want to use it yourself, go for it. We're happy to be that part of your life. If you want us to help you and our team to help you in some way, we're happy to do that too. We, we have programs that fit most budgets, but that's who I am and what I do. And I really appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gene. And with that being said, let's lead you to the final question. So that's about action step. What do you suggest we do after listening to this conversation? What to do? So that question is very interesting to me. What do you do? It all depends on what challenge you're having right now. Because I don't think that we should be preparing for what might happen. We should address what is happening. And so instead of really getting clear about what you should do, I'm going to give you a question about who you should be. If you know that you've got to get a result that you've never gotten before, that you've got to make a change, transform in some way, hit a goal, something you've never done before, then you want to answer this question. Who do I need to be to receive that goal or that thing? Who do I need to be is a much more powerful question than what do I need to do? Because when you know who you need to be, you're able to perform the doing in a different way. I know that's very deep and introspective, if you will, but it's a much more powerful question that if you know that you're frustrated with your current sales and you're frustrated, that's your way of being, that's not going to allow you to solve the problem. You might need to calm down. You might need to get more clarity. So be calm might be the way of being. And so that would be the first thing I would say you want to do from today's conversation is to clarify who do you need to be to receive what you want most. Who you need to be. Wow. And it is human being at the end of the day. So be who you want to be and then you will know what you have to do. Thank you so much, Gene. That was a light bulb moment for me. And hopefully for all the people who have listening to this conversation, hopefully they had a great time. And if you feel that Gene is the person who can help you take you to the next level, then do reach out to him. And uh, some of the ways of reaching out to him is gene at genehammett.com and genehammett.com is his website. So thank you so much, Gene, again for such a great conversation. Absolutely. Great to be here. Thank you again. And I am your host, Kirin Nagar, signing off for the day. You guys take care. Bye.